from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. It's calving season. It's the best thing ever, actually. I love it. And in one town, a special kind of breed is growing thanks to a little air and a whole lot of smiles. After the storm. I'm able to start thinking about next season. How reconstruction is coming along at one extension office in Kentucky after taking a direct hit from a tornado. Plus, looking to the future. There's a over 25 billion gallon potential market here in the U.S. alone. The push is on to cash in on crushing more soybeans right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It's one of the fastest growing industries in ag. Soybean processing with several companies announcing plans to build new facilities in the coming years. The latest ones we told you about earlier this month. Bungie has plans for a $550 million plant in Morristown, Indiana, and Epitome Energy is also building a $400 million facility in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Agnes Michelle Rook joins us, and Michelle, what's behind all of this expansion? Clinton, plans are in the works for 18 new soybean processing plants across the U.S., and there are more on the drawing board yet to be announced. The push for green, low-carbon energy is driving it, and finally, as agriculture and the petroleum industry working together. And if the projections are on target, the extra demand will add another 13% to the price of soybeans. The soybean processing industry is entering a new era, driven by the demand for low-carbon fuels like renewable diesel, which can be made from feedstocks like soybean or other vegetable oils. It sequesters and eliminates a significant amount of uh, greenhouse gas and carbon as compared to uh, fossil fuels. It's being used to meet California's low-carbon fuel standard, but the interest doesn't stop there. Right now, the renewable diesel capacity is about 1.5 to 1.6 billion gallons a year, and we anticipate that to go up by another uh, approximately 500 million gallons over the next year. And ultimately, we think potentially we could get to 6 billion gallons by 2030. Kimberly says that's if you also factor in biodiesel and sustainable aviation fuel. There's a over 25 billion gallon potential market here in the U.S. alone, uh, almost a 100 billion gallon market uh, globally, and a lot of the major airlines around the world are making commitments to use a certain percentage of their fuel come from sustainable aviation fuel. Yes, if you just think about the demand just from aviation alone, it would take every drop of soybean oil that's produced today. It's that big. This has also piqued the interest of the petroleum industry, which is finally aligning with biofuels companies. When I spoke with BP, they kind of laid it out. They said that we've got a lot of big companies coming to us to help them achieve their carbon reduction programs, and they need low-carbon fuels or renewable fuels to make that happen. This explosive demand has pushed up the price of soybean oil, which is now a much larger percentage of the value of beans, leading to record soy crush margins of over three and a half dollars a bushel. You know, I'm, I'm used to working off fractions of a cent in this industry for many years, and to talk about dollars is, is just absolutely unheard of. But it's very good, and we, we expect it to continue. In the soybean industry, typically 70% of our revenue comes from the meal and 30% from the oil. We're getting over half of our revenue from the oil side. Kirsting says that drove their decision to build another plant at Mitchell, South Dakota, and there are more projects on the drawing board. Nationwide, we anticipate crush capacity will go up by about 30 percent uh, in the next several years. That's over 650 million bushels of beans. So the next question is, can farmers produce enough soybeans to meet this future demand? I 
don't think that's an issue. You have about 60% of the volume of soybeans that is sent out of the country as export volume. That can stay domestically at some percentages um, and be used in the production of, of food and fuel here in the U.S. Plus higher soybean yields and acreage will also help fill the gap. Industry estimates vary widely on how many additional acres of soybeans will be needed for this market, ranging from 5 to 14 million acres initially. However, these fields can be made with other veg oils like canola or even beef tallow, which will also help. After last week's big blast of winter, are we in for quieter weather this week? Meteorologist Matt Urasavik joins us with the very latest. Matt. Yeah, Clinton, it looks like a little bit of a quieter week, especially in the east and in the Great Lakes. A little bit of a clipper system moving through to start off the week. That will bring some cooler temperatures to the Great Lakes and the upper Midwest, but it will be replaced with milder air out ahead of another system that's going to be moving in to the west as we head through the first part of the week. That's going to bring above average temperatures and above average rainfall as well. A lot of the area still dealing with a severe drought, especially out in the west. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on there. But as we look at this jet stream, only a little bit of a dip through the middle part of the country. That's going to continue to move eastward as we head through the next couple of days. And then towards the end of the week, we see that system coming into the west, starting to move down through the middle part of the country. That should spread some rain through the middle of the country and into parts of the south as we head through the end of the week and into the weekend. And just another beautiful day on the ranch, right? Dirk O'Connor sharing this video from eastern Montana taken at the height of the snow and the cold hitting the area. Dirk checking on his cattle, doing his best, like all ranchers, to keep their animals fed and safe in the storm. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Large-scale farming is now restricted in one part of western Arizona. Officials saying it is necessary to try and protect dwindling groundwater supplies. The Arizona Department of Water Resources designating the Hulapai Valley near Kingman as an irrigation non-expansion area. That means anyone who hasn't farmed more than two acres of land there during the past five years now can't. Elected officials say four times more water is leaving local aquifers than is going back to it each year. But many farmers did not support this plan, saying they are using the best available technology to conserve water. However, this is the first such designation in Arizona in four decades. USDA scientists are working to develop new tests and tools to identify and track COVID in wild and domestic animals. The Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service is currently using $300 million from the American Rescue Plan Act to conduct experiments. It's working on five projects, including developing easy-to-use field tests, learning how long the virus persists in deer, and whether deer or elk can serve as hosts for the virus and what that means for new variants. They'll also look at animal cells in order to better predict which animals may act as hosts for the virus. The goal? Build an early warning system to potentially prevent or limit the next outbreak or global pandemic. Still ahead, Michelle dives into those end-of-year markets. And later, a tradition in the making in one North Dakota town, one that's filled with some air and a lot of joy in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. The 
There's not been a lot of market movement as we end 2022, but Michelle Rook joins us once again with a look at how we may be finishing the year in markets now. Joining us with this morning's market analysis, Tommy Gersafi Advanced Trading Well. We have the last week here of 2022. What are you expecting for trade this week? Uh, light holiday trade end of year. Well, we, we have a incredible volatility in the stock market. And some people are saying that they might sell stocks for uh, tax losses. And that's not something we talked about in a long time. So as we end the year, from the financial standpoint, the bond market's having a horrible year. The stock market's having a horrible year. Somewhere in there is commodities, which many of the commodities are still holding up strong. So let's not get confused. The supply and demand numbers in a commodity, uh, which there's just a small amount of across the world, versus something like crypto, which was a fake made-up thing that a bunch of kids actually just came back to America here to uh, to uh, serve trials. So let's separate the real things from the fake things and commodities are real. We only have so much. And depending on weather, as we come in the new year, I think the weather market will really dominate the grain market moving forward. Yeah. Let's talk about as we flip into 2023, what's the focus going to be? Will it be South American weather demand or do you think we're going to really get caught up in the macroeconomic environment here with the ag commodities? Well, let's put a scary scenario on that and that we do both, that we have really great weather in South America and the stock market continues to slide. That could be really ugly. If we decide to go risk off where funds that have put on length into commodities decide to take it off, you could see, you know, the grains could start to look more like cotton where we start to show limit down days. And although the fundamentals may be strong, when they want out and there are some really big longs in some of these markets if they were ever to flip from long to short in a market like corn it would be ugly and devastating and when you look at the corn market in particular not just the 22 crop but look, start looking into 23 24 and 25 i personally bought some dece 25 futures at 513 the other day that doesn't have a six in front of it doesn't have a seven not an eight almost has a four in front of it. So start looking at the corn market for multiple years and you'll see that these folks running around to pay new high cash rents aren't thinking about where the price of corn is going to be in three years. They're thinking okay. more about what the price was three months ago. Thanks for your analysis as always. Tommy Gersafi, Advanced Trading, more Ag Day coming up. Interested in spending a day with a trader? Call Tommy Grisafi at 800-664-4383. Just Matt Urasavik joining us here uh, with our national forecast. But first, it's Matt's last day. He's heading off to greener pastures. Of course, we'll miss your uh, forecast here on Ag Day each and every day. I'll definitely uh, miss all of you guys behind the camera, Clinton as well. We joke around. We have a good time. <laughs> we do. We get the job done. Too, absolutely. Right? But, absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely miss it. And if you ever stop into town where I'm going, <laughs> Definitely stop on by. <laughs> I will. I will. Well, let's talk about this jet stream. Looks like we have a pretty good dip going here after last week's weather. Maybe some more storms. Yeah, there could be a little bit of weather moving through parts of the east. And then we're going to be watching for another storm system moving into the west. That's going to bring a lot of rain to places that 
really need it. But you can see that big dip in the jet stream there in the east. Again, that is going to be something that is going to move towards the east. It'll bring a little bit of a blast of some milder air, but warmer air back off to the west, and that's going to be moving its way on in. If we put this in motion, there goes our one system. Here comes our next one. That one going to bring us some rain out to the west, maybe even some mountain snow as well. Temperatures, though, will be more mild out ahead of this system. Melt some of that snow that fell uh, last week, and you can see that surge of temperatures in the east. Not going to be overly warm, but they will melt anything that is still on the ground there uh, from the Midwest into the Northeast. And then we've got another dip in the jet stream. That storm system is going to be moving through the center of the country as we approach the uh, new year and then move eastward as we head into 2023. Precipitation this week is going to be above normal, really from the mid-Atlantic states down through the southeast and all the way back towards the west. And this is where we're going to be dealing with the most rain and even some mountain snow out there in the northern Rockies, Four Corners region as well. Something that we really need to pay attention to, but temperatures, unlike the last couple of weeks, above average for the entire United States, except for the southeast coast here and down into Florida. They'll be near normal, but still looking very warm, at least compared to average for this time of the year. Now, if we look at the precipitation heading into January, Still looks to be above normal there in the north, across the northern plains and into uh, the upper Midwest and uh, into the Ohio Valley as well. The Great Lakes, something to keep in mind there for January. Below normal, though, across the south and into the Gulf Coast. And then if we look at temperatures, it'll be above normal in the east and uh, parts of Texas, parts of the southwest as well. Below normal up there in the uh, northern plains and upper Midwest and normal right through the middle part of the country. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at the weather where you live. Memphis, Tennessee, mostly sunny and cool, a high near 42 degrees. Heading to Faith, South Dakota, mostly sunny, a high near 35. And Corning, California, scattered showers with a high around 60 degrees. A year ago, Western Kentucky was cleaning up after being hit by a series of destructive storms. Coming up, an update on how a University of Kentucky Extension office is recovering while still helping farmers. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. Earlier this month, we brought you a special broadcast from Western Kentucky. We called it Christmas Comeback. And it showed how the area has recovered and is still recovering one year after a devastating tornado outbreak. Kentucky's Research and Education Center in Princeton suffered heavy damage in the storms. And recently, the University of Kentucky's College of Agriculture, Food and Environment posted an update on how the recovery is going. In the last three months, thankfully, we have at least one office complex open. So about half of the personnel have been able to move in get internet, um, which is a real struggle uh, being in the rural part of the state. You know, at home, people just don't have high-speed internet. So people get to come in and have high-speed internet. We have had a delivery of some lab trailers, and so we just need to get those hooked up to utilities and get those functional, but those are still probably um, a couple months out from being fully operational with research. We've also gotten some bid packages very close to coming out for rebuilding. And so we hope um, 
in the next probably two months that we'll actually even start rebuilding some equipment sheds and um, some of the tobacco curing barns and sheds as well. The beef unit was able to, um, rather than have the silos for silage storage, insurance agreed to pay for a silage bagger. And so we have a huge, large concrete pad where they're gonna store the silage bags. People that are here every day, just because their work demands that they're here. They just don't have an office. They've made their, their vehicles an office and they've made it work. They're very happy to have an office. <laughs> very happy. Honestly, I think the outreach here at the station is gonna be greater with a greater number of small intimate groups rather than a few number of large field days. For a couple of reasons, so that people can ask a lot of pointed questions um, and get more feedback about progress than you can do in a larger setting. The good thing, Dave, I think in the last three months is sort of the mindset of people. I think, at least for me, I feel like I'm finally able to stop thinking about the recovery every single day. I'm, I'm able to start thinking about next season and how we are going to go back to normal operations. And that's just a huge morale boost. Our thanks to the University of Kentucky for sharing that update. Well, there's nothing like seeing cows roaming the countryside, but these cows are all about wrangling some smiles in the country. A rancher's work is never done. Even on these cold winter days, there's still lots of work to do. They've got to check cattle and make sure the herd has food, water, and shelter. But in one town in North Dakota, a herd of cattle remains on the loose and it's perfectly okay, as Jody Kersman of Ag Day Affiliate KFYR explains from Beach, North Dakota. He's here. This isn't your typical cattle drive, yeah. but these what? aren't typical cattle. Do you see them? Jordan Tesher and his daughters are rounding up inflatable cows. Shirley, what are you doing? It all started three years ago when Shirley, the inflatable cow, escaped from the Tesher's home. He moved around. Every Christmas season since. Who is here? Shirley has been here? on the loose in wow. the town of Beach. Hey, look, it's your cow. Jordan first started moving her around to make his daughter Harper smile. Harper loved Shirley a lot. I knew it would be fun for Harper and that's what mattered, I guess. His idea quickly got the community's attention. People love seeing it. And these days, everyone in town is keeping an eye out for Shirley. Hi, Shirley. Merry Christmas, Shirley. The herd has grown. Shirley has a couple of sisters in town who look just like her. And then there's Annabelle. That's her Scottish Highlander sister. She was sick yesterday. I can smell her. So it makes sense that on this day, they find Annabelle at the pharmacy. She's on the mend. <laughs> Staying warm in here. Jordan never thought he'd still be moving these cows three years later, but he says it's become a bit of a tradition for his community and for his girls who love cows, inflatable ones, hey guys, and real ones. I see you. Reagan loves cows more. She's in a cow suit six days a week. She loves feeding cows. She loves seeing cows. 
in the tractor and the skid steers, whatever you can do with cattle, she loves it. For this girl dad, sharing his love of ranching with his daughters <coughs> is a dream come true. It's the best thing ever, actually. I love it. What's that right there, Harper? And he also loves seeing the smiles these cows bring to his daughter's faces. I just do it for the girls. In Beach, I'm Jody Kurzman, reporting for your news leader. All right, thanks, Jody. Now, there's a Facebook page called Shirley's Shenanigans, where Jordan and other people post funny pictures of Shirley. And that's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Dan, Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.